We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. And away we go, episode 204 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, December 9th, 2021, the day after we had quite the day of not so great news for the Washington football team. Yeah, I know, a lot of positive vibes with our football team lately. Four-game winning streak, monster game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. But the news of Wednesday could have been better, and sadly was not. However, we are together again, and that's a good thing. Hello and welcome to a Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We have arrived at the Thursday of Dallas week, and we have a lot to get to. Logan Thomas placed on the reserve injured list. Montez Sweat placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Landon Collins did not practice on Wednesday. Jamin Davis, it turns out, is in concussion protocol and did not practice on Wednesday. J.D. McKissick did not practice on Wednesday as he remains in concussion protocol. Wes Schweitzer did not practice on Wednesday. Yeah, like I said, some not-so-great news. Uh, Next segment, I'll begin unpacking all of it. Uh, What now for Washington at tight end with Logan Thomas done for the season? Uh, And yes, I will talk Montez Sweat, who, yes, is not vaccinated for COVID-19. But to me, the biggest takeaway isn't that Montez isn't vaccinated. It's that Montez is out for Sunday against the Cowboys. And that really isn't that big of a deal. What does that say? That right there says a lot about a lot. Uh, You will hear what Ron Rivera on Wednesday said about Montez Sweat testing positive for COVID-19. In addition to Ron, 
on a number of other items. Also on the show, I will properly commemorate the one-year anniversary of Washington first signing Taylor Heineke. It was the anniversary of Tay-Tay on Wednesday. Uh, I'll also get into the state of Washington's offense off comments from Heineke. Yeah, it was one year ago Wednesday that Washington signed Heineke to the practice squad, December 8th, 2020. I will be talking Wizards, a wild win for them on Wednesday night, a 119-116 overtime win at the lowly Detroit Pistons. It's great that the Wizards won, but geez, did they have to make it so difficult? The Wizards overcame a 14-point second quarter deficit. The Wizards blew a 13-point fourth quarter lead. They allowed the Pistons to end regulation on a 16-3 run, as Stephen A. Smith would say. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, Stephen A., exactly. But the Wizards did win. Let's not lose sight of that. Uh, Also, I will talk Georgetown. Caden Rice, a Hoyas single-game record, 10 made threes in a 171 blowout of UMBC at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. Also in the game, some really good stuff from the Hoyas' top two freshmen, Aminu Muhammad and Ryan Matumbo, son of Dikembe Matumbo. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have received a lot of feedback on Mark Turgeon stepping down as Maryland head coach, including feedback defending the Turge. Uh, in case you missed it, I spoke with the best Maryland head coach ever, Gary Williams, on Wednesday's show, episode 203. Gary was great, including addressing whether he would want to be the Terrapins head coach again. Uh, email from Gerald, Maryland class of 1972 here. I have to say I'm a bit saddened by the departure of Coach Turgeon. I thought he was a good coach who had his best team in season snatched away by COVID. I hear fans clamoring for a different coach, an elite coach, but like looking for an elite quarterback, elite coaches are far and few between. Turgeon was a guy who got you in the tournament every year. We may do better with a new guy, but we could do a lot worse. Email from Ken. I've been a Maryland Hoops fan since I came down from Penn State for grad school at Maryland in 1966. Maryland basketball was fun with a hard-charging point guard named Gary Williams. Have loved the Terps since, and Turgeon was a really good coach. Don't know if he wanted to leave or got fired, but the Terps will have a hard time finding anyone as good, let alone better. So yeah, we have had some Turgeon defenders, some defenders of the Turge uh, make their voices heard in recent days. Uh, Turgeon pretty clearly did leave on his own. You certainly got that sense in listening uh, to Gary in my chat with him on Wednesday's show. You also got the sense from Gary that Turgeon maybe just needs some thicker skin, but I don't want to just crush Turgeon. We haven't heard his side of things. You know, Mark Turgeon has not spoken publicly uh, since he resigned as Maryland head coach, Uh, but he does seem sensitive, and the criticism and pressure did seem to be what drove him away. Email from Mark, Turgeon's departure, a true WTF moment Maryland's AD owes us more info, but personally, I think Danny Manning can make some stuff happen. Today's Division I environment, and especially the Big Ten, make it nearly impossible to succeed during times of turmoil. Ouch. Virginia's season will be interesting as the Cavaliers evolve. I encourage you to watch Tony Bennett's postgame pressers. He defines unruffled. Uh, Yes, Mark, I do watch Tony Bennett's postgame press conferences, and that's actually a big part of why I, on Wednesday's show, played a clip 
of Bennett's presser after the loss at James Madison on Tuesday night. Bennett was all class, totally accountable. Uh, very admirable was Tony Bennett's behavior after that game. Email from Eric Stork from Weedman on the ticket situation for this Sunday afternoon's game for the Washington football team against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field. Now, understand, Eric is a massive Washington fan, has been going to games since the 1980s. Here's what he wrote me. The attendance problems at FedEx Field are well-documented and lamented. We have the biggest game since the playoff game against the Green Bay Packers, and maybe since RG3's rookie season of 2012. This is an obvious opportunity to bring back the fans. I have my usual tickets and look forward to the game. My 17-year-old son was excited and wanted a ticket, any ticket, to see the game. Visiting the single ticket part of the WFT site, the lowest price is $300 per ticket. How does Don Ron expect us to show up with prices like that? The site did not offer anything on the 400 level. Here is a wonderful opportunity for the WFT to fix some damage. The team spent all of this money on the new front office and management team. Sell the stinking upper level for $100 a ticket. Now, also in this email from Eric are screenshots of a conversation that he had with someone in the Washington football team's ticket office. Here's a portion of that exchange. Says the worker in the Washington football team's ticket office, uh, the name of the worker is Johnny. Uh, I appreciate your input, Eric. The demand for this game is the reason the prices have jumped up. This is why many of our members take advantage of our season ticket memberships that are at fixed prices and allow you to make it out to some of our bigger games like this one. So old Johnny trying to put the hard sell on Eric and then responds, Eric, I understand your point. This is a golden opportunity to fill the stadium, fix the damage, and bring back the fan base. You are squandering the opportunity with this gouging. Look at it from the standpoint of a fan who has not seen a game in a while. Have at least some tickets in the upper level at a reasonable price. It is this kind of thinking that is why you are losing people. Good for you, Eric. Yeah, give it to him. As Chuck D said back in the day, fight the power. Fight the power. Yes, Chuck D, fight the power. Fight the power. That's right. Fight the power, and that's not all. Eric continued to fight the power because Eric sent me another email, wrote Eric in that email. Later, the guy called me. He would never answer when asked if the upper level was sold out. The sole purpose of the call was to sell me season tickets. In this day and age, it is all about capturing data for future sales opportunities. Selling these tickets low brings fans and leads to later sales with people who had great experiences. Instead, people who want to see a game are punished and scolded for not being season ticket holders. This really explains why the stadium is empty. The team is in denial and thinks that it can get all of those season ticket holders back, but the team actually is putting a sales wall of defense against filling the stadium with game day ticket purchasers. So I know that this kind of thing can be anecdotal. You know, one person has one bad experience and then that person tells of that experience on the air in some way and the experience ends up being an unfair representation 
of what's actually going on. The reason that I am sharing Eric's emails with you is that I am hearing and reading about a lot of experiences like Eric's this week regarding getting tickets for this game, Washington versus Dallas at FedEx Field. I am hearing and reading a lot about the ticket prices for this game being exorbitant. Uh, You know, I am all for the Washington football team trying to maximize revenue, okay? I am all for capitalism. I am not one of these people who is anti-capitalism. And so in that vein, as Eric said, what the Washington football team apparently is doing in jacking up ticket prices for this game is foolish and may well cost the team money down the line because the team may well be shooing away future ticket purchasers. We'll see. Maybe there is a monster crowd at FedEx Field on Sunday, and this strategy turns out to have been a good one. You know, there is a theory in sports and in entertainment that if you provide a product that people want to see, it almost doesn't matter what you charge to see the product. And you could argue that this game is a product that people want to see and want to be at. But, you know, given the current economy, uh, given the inflation that we're all dealing with, gouging people for this game could end up being really short-sighted. And notice, I'm not even bringing up the notion of, hey, the team has been mostly bad for decades and has given the fan base one problem and controversy after another. Maybe just maybe don't go from zero to 100 on the greed scale so quick. You know, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying from a business perspective, this may actually prove to be a bad strategy. And not to put another hard sell on Eric, okay? Not to put a hard sell on Eric like Johnny did, but as I have said, If you are looking for tickets for Washington versus Dallas at FedEx Field this Sunday and you are turned off by the prices that you're seeing, give TickPick a shot. Uh, TickPick is a sponsor of this podcast. Go to this site, TickPick.com slash Galdi. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Galdi. Putting the slash Galdi will allow you to get $10 off your first order. But TickPick is a no-fee ticket site. You know those ridiculous service fees that other ticket sites charge? TickPick doesn't charge those service fees. So you hopefully can find tickets at great prices. So I hate to sound like a salesman. I hate to sound like Johnny. uh, But go to TickPick.com slash Goldie. T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash Goldie. Poor Johnny. He's just trying to do his job. Uh, But yeah, it is something that even in a big week like this, there are signs of that classic Washington football team foolishness that we have all become used to uh, during the Dan Snyder era. Well, don't be foolish when it comes to your health. Skin cancer is the most common of all cancers. Yeah. In fact, skin cancer accounts for nearly half of all cancer cases in the United States. Uh, If you have concerns about your skin, if you are dealing with skin cancer, if you have had skin cancer and haven't seen a doctor in a while, always know that Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are there for you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big Washington football team fan, big listener of this podcast, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. Dr. Verghese and his team offer state-of-the-art treatments for skin cancer, including something that's a game-changer, superficial radiation therapy 
or SRT. SRT is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. SRT is safe, effective, and non-surgical. You see, having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and the downtime and side effects, cosmetic and otherwise, that come with surgery. You have options. SRT is an option, and Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer the option of SRT, unlike many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again is 301-396-3401 or visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. So it was on Tuesday's show, episode 202, that we celebrated some very good injury news regarding the 6-6 six and six Washington football team, Ron Rivera, at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday, revealed that Logan Thomas did not appear to have suffered a torn ACL in the 17-15 win at the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday, as had been feared. Ron on Monday also said that both Montez Sweat and Landon Collins could be back practicing on Wednesday, meaning that each guy might be available to play in this Sunday afternoon's big game against the 8-4 and and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field at 1. Uh, Montez had missed the previous four games, i.e. the entirety of the four-game winning streak due to a fractured jaw that he suffered in the loss at the Denver Broncos in Week 8. Landon was inactive for the win at the Raiders due to a foot injury that he suffered in the win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in Week 12. Well, uh, so much for all of that good news, because on Wednesday, we got a triple whammy of bad news regarding those three guys, and we got additional bad injury news for the Washington football team. One, Washington placed Logan Thomas on the reserve injured list. Two, Washington placed Montez Sweat on the reserve COVID-19 list. Three, Landon Collins did not practice. Four, Jamin Davis did not practice, as it turns out that he has entered concussion protocol. Five, J.D. McKissick did not practice. Six, Wes Schweitzer did not practice. And seven, it turns out that Wendell Smallwood is banged up. So Washington had to sign a running back, uh, had to sign Jonathan Williams of the New York Giants practice squad. So yeah, there's all of that. Uh, let's start with Logan Thomas, and then I'll get to the other items over the next few segments. So it still does appear that Logan Thomas did not suffer a torn ACL on Sunday. So we do still have that going for us. Uh, remember, Logan Thomas in the fourth quarter took a low but legal block from Raiders edge defender and Maryland product Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, however, Logan still did suffer some sort of a knee injury, and the team clearly feels that he will not be able to play again this season. Uh, understand, because this is the second time that Logan has been placed on injured reserve this season, he can't be activated off injured reserve anymore this season. Uh, Logan Thomas was on injured reserve from October 6th to November 29th due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. So Logan Thomas's 2021 season is done. 
This was Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday on placing Logan Thomas on injured reserve, as opposed to just waiting and seeing if Logan could come back to play again this season. Well, I, I think that the thing you know to, you got to be careful with is is bringing a guy like him back too soon. You know, we're, we've been fortunate, and you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing. Um, you know, and talking to the doctors, listen to the doctors for the most part so far. You know, we felt this was probably the best move for him going forward than it is anything else. And, and this really is about the players' uh, welfare going forward. So this ends up being an injury-ravaged season for Logan Thomas. Just six games, just 18 receptions, uh, though three were for touchdowns. Washington this past July 28th announced the signing of Logan Thomas to a three-year contract extension. It's a three-year deal worth $24 million, $8.1 million guaranteed at signing. Good for Logan Thomas for getting paid of his big season last season. This is why you take the money when you can get the money. Uh, football is a brutal sport. You never know with injuries. I mean, imagine now if Logan Thomas was going into being an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Uh, first, the hamstring injury this season, and now the knee injury this season. Here was Taylor Heineke at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday on Logan Thomas's season being over. Yeah, it's huge. You know, obviously, Logan's a, a really good player for us, and um you know, it's tough to lose him, but at the same time, you, you go look at the games that he wasn't in, and Ricky and, you know, John Bates did a great job of filling in. So, you know, we have a lot of confidence in them to get the job done. And, you know, it's unfortunate Logan can't be there, but, um, you know, we, we have a lot of confidence in those other two. Now, the good news for Washington at tight end on Wednesday was that Ricky Seals Jones was a limited participant in practice. Ricky Seals Jones has been inactive for each of the last three games due to a hip injury. He and John Bates now are set to be Washington's top two tight ends the rest of the season. Bates in the win at the Raiders, three receptions for 42 yards and a drop on four targets in playing on 57% of Washington's offensive snaps. But Bates, for the game, earned the second best overall grade for Pro Football Focus for any Washington player in the game and the best overall grade for PFF for any Washington offensive player in the game. His overall grade for the game for PFF was 86.8. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. And Bates's run blocking grade for the game was 95.0. John Bates, of course, is a rookie. Washington took Bates in the fourth round of the 2021 NFL draft at a Boise State. How about this from Ron Rivera on Wednesday on what he saw from John Bates in the win at the Raiders? Well, I, I'll say this. Um, you know, I, I saw a young man really maturing, continuing to develop and grow into an NFL caliber tight end. You know, he came in as a rookie, and uh, and you know, Coach Hayner and his style and his fashion is, has really worked with this young man as he does with all our guys, and really helping them to grow and develop. We're seeing it from Samus Reyes as well. We saw it from Ricky Seals Jr. And, and now that um, you know, unfortunately, we lose Logan. We got Ricky back in the in the fold and in the mix with those guys, and and it'll be the three of those guys will pretty much you know handle the duties. You know we we, we know what Ricky can do and what Ricky's skill set is. Uh, we know the strength of, of John's game as well, and Samus is you know he continues to be a work in progress, but you know he's done some really good things from the tape that we we have on these guys. So we feel good and comfortable with these three these three guys. Yeah, and I think that Washington should feel comfortable at tight end. No doubt Washington would be better off with Logan Thomas, but Washington this season has had success without Logan Thomas and by now is used to playing without Logan Thomas. Again, 
He has only played in six games this season. Speaking of having success without a player, the entirety of Washington's four-game winning streak has happened without Montez Sweat. Up next, my reaction to Washington on Wednesday, placing Montez Sweat on the reserve COVID-19 list, rendering him out for Sunday's game against the Cowboys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, it's a good thing that the Washington football team has experience winning without Montez Sweat this season because it turns out that he's going to be out a little while longer, including definitely being out for Sunday afternoon's big game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field at 1. Wednesday was the start of Washington's practice week, was supposed to be the day on which Montez Sweat perhaps returned to practicing of having missed the previous four games due to the fractured jaw that he suffered in the loss at the Denver Broncos in Week 8. But Wednesday instead ended up being a day on which Washington placed Montez Sweat on the reserve COVID-19 list. And of course, this is a particularly hot-button story because Montez Sweat is not vaccinated for COVID-19. And he, during the offseason, garnered a lot of attention with what he said about not being vaccinated for COVID-19. Take it back to this past June 9th. Montez, at his post-minicamp practice press conference, revealed himself to have been 
among those Washington players who had not been vaccinated for COVID-19. Here's what he said, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Washington football team insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. I'm not a fan of it. I'm, uh, I probably won't, won't get vaccinated until, until uh, I got more facts and all that type of stuff, but no, I'm not a fan of it at all. What is your hesitation with getting the vaccine, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't caught, uh, I haven't caught COVID yet, so I don't, mean, I don't see me treating the, I don't, I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. All right, so that was Montez Sweat on June 9th. Part of what he said, quote, I haven't caught COVID yet, so I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. End quote. And that right there showed a frightening lack of understanding of uh, how vaccines work. But whatever. I guess if you go by that logic, actually, Montez Sweat now will be getting vaccinated for COVID-19, right? He said, quote, I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. End quote. So if he views vaccines as treatments, then now I guess it's time to get treated for COVID-19, right? Never mind that a vaccine isn't a treatment for something. A vaccine is a preventative measure for something. And at the very least, a vaccine lessens the symptoms of that something. But again, whatever. Uh, Remember, Washington during the offseason had a really hard time getting players to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Ron Rivera, who was immune deficient because of his cancer battle last year, was practically begging players to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, ultimately, most of Washington's players got vaccinated for COVID-19, but two players who pretty clearly have not gotten vaccinated for COVID-19 are Montez Sweat and Chase Young. We with Chase know because he, during this season, has been wearing a mask during press conferences, and that's one of those protocols that the NFL put in place for players not vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, unlike some people, uh, I am not going to preach to you about getting vaccinated for COVID-19. I am not a big believer in vaccine-shaming people, just like I was never a big fan of mask-shaming people. Uh, I think we need less judgment in the world, not more, especially for something that has been as confusing and unique as COVID-19, to say nothing of the biased media coverage of COVID-19. And when I say biased media coverage, I mean biased media coverage on both sides of the political spectrum, okay? It's not just one side, it's both sides. Uh, As I have said, I am vaccinated and I am now boosted for COVID-19. I actually have two pre-existing conditions, technically speaking, and I have family members with pre-existing conditions. I I think that virus mutation is a big reason for these variants that have kept the pandemic alive. Getting vaccinated helps to prevent virus mutation. So I've taken my shots, but that's me. I mean, people should do what they're comfortable with. And just because something is right for me doesn't mean that that something is right for you. And I have always believed that. So I think this is a personal choice. You do that with which you are comfortable. The problem with this Montez Sweat situation from a football standpoint is that he will miss at least this next game. This right here is the competitive disadvantage that I talked about a lot this past summer regarding the NFL and COVID-19. Forget about where you stand on COVID-19 vaccination. In the NFL this season, players who are vaccinated for COVID-19 have things much easier than players who are not vaccinated for COVID-19. Because Montez Sweat isn't vaccinated for COVID-19 and has tested positive for COVID-19, he now is out 
for at least 10 days. So he is out for Sunday's game against the Cowboys. If Montez was vaccinated for COVID-19, he would only be out until he had two negative COVID-19 tests on consecutive days. Say whatever you want about being vaccinated versus not being vaccinated and discriminating against the unvaccinated and whatever else. These are the rules, okay? If you don't like the rules, then don't play in the NFL. Nobody's holding a gun to your head to play in the NFL. Go do something else to make a living. And so because these are the rules, and because Montez Sweat now is tested positive for COVID-19, this is what happens. He is out for the biggest game of Washington season up until this point. Rod Rivera, at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday, was asked about Montez Sweat testing positive for COVID-19 while not being vaccinated for COVID-19. Well, this time of year, you know, with, with the potential for the breakthroughs and all that, it's just frustrating, period. You know, it really is. And, and it's, it's just the unfortunate part. Um, but we're okay. You know, we're going to be fine, like our guys. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to Sunday. And that was totally the answer that Ron Rivera needed to give. There's no reason for Ron to bash Montez Sweat publicly. There's no reason for Ron to embarrass Montez Sweat publicly. You know, it was thought at one point that Montez Sweat had a pre-existing heart condition. Uh, That was one of the reasons that he fell in the 2019 NFL draft. And then, right, Washington traded back into the first round of that draft to take Montez Sweat uh, and to placate the football people in the organization like Kyle Smith, who were furious that Dan Snyder had ordered the selection of Dwayne Haskins with a number 15 overall pick in that draft. But that's another conversation for another installment of the podcast. But if part of why Montez Sweat isn't vaccinated for COVID-19 is concern about his heart, then fine. Again, I'm not here to shame the guy. I am here to say two things. A, the NFL is a business. The NFL has its COVID-19 protocols this season. And so if you're not vaccinated for COVID-19 and you test positive for COVID-19 and you miss a game or games because of that, that's on you. And if you're fine with that, then fine, but don't complain. And as far as we know, Montez Sweat has not complained. B, as a Washington football team fan, I'm actually not that bent out of shape about Montez Sweat not playing on Sunday against the Cowboys. Would I like for Montez Sweat to be playing? Absolutely. He's a tremendous talent. But as I've been saying, this four-game winning streak has happened with Montez Sweat missing all four games. And it's not just that. These four games unequivocally, undeniably, have been the best four games for Washington's defense this season. Nothing, and I mean nothing, has highlighted the importance of playing the defensive scheme as it is intended to be played more than a Washington defense that had been a giant flop during the team's two and six start, being so much better during a four-game winning streak in which Montez Sweat has missed all four games and Chase Young has missed three and a half of the four games, right? Chase suffered his torn right ACL in the second quarter of the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in Week 10. Ron Rivera had been telling us that Montez Sweat, and especially Chase Young, had not always been adhering to the defensive scheme. Well, those guys have been out, and yet Washington's defense not only has been doing just fine, Washington's defense has been excelling. And when it comes to replacing Montez Sweat 
and Chase Young. Washington has been riding the likes of James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill and Daniel Wise and Shaka Tony and Boonmi Rotimi. Or is it Rotimi Boomi, Ron? I don't know. You tell me. Rotimi Boomi? Yes, Ron. Whatever that guy's name is. Uh, <laughs> a Washington defense without Montez Sweat and Chase Young thrived against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A Washington defense without Montez Sweat and Chase Young thrived against Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders. Brady and the Bucs, Carr and the Raiders, two of the best passing attacks in the NFL this season. So do I wish that Montez Sweat was available this Sunday? Yes. But I'm not losing sleep over him being out. And I don't think that Ron Rivera is either. Did you notice what Ron said toward the end of that cut that I just played for you? Take a listen to this portion of the cut. Um, but we're okay. You know, we're going to be fine, like our guys. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, said Ron, quote, but we're okay. We're going to be fine, like our guys, end quote. Remember what Ron said at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday about James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, and Daniel Wise? Take a listen to that. Um, those three guys really are, are very steady, as I've said before, blue-collar style workers. You know, they're the kind of guys that are just going to they're going to they're going to go along. They're going to they're be very diligent in what they do. They're going to they're be very strict. You're not going to get a lot of spectacular plays out of them as much as you're going to get just consistent play. And that's how they've been. Yeah. Rod on Monday said of James Smith, Williams, Casey Tuhill and Daniel Wise that they, quote, go along, end quote, and are, quote, very strict, end quote, and, quote, consistent end quote. Translation, those guys adhere to the defensive scheme, unlike Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Look, I wish Montez Sweat and Chase Young the very best. They are incredibly talented. I want them to thrive as Washington players for years to come. But you're off your rocker if you don't think that these last four games, the four games that make up Washington's four-game winning streak have been Washington's four best defensive games this season. And that these four games have featured no Montez Sweat and mostly no Chase Young says a lot. And yes, the improvement of Washington's secondary has been a big part of the improved defense. But so too has been the edge defenders playing the scheme as it is supposed to be played. Now to the rest of the injury news for the Washington football team on Wednesday as the team began its practice week for this Sunday afternoon's game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field at 1. Landon Collins on Wednesday did not practice due to his foot. Uh, Now that doesn't mean that he won't be back for Sunday's game against the Cowboys, but obviously him not practicing on Wednesday, uh, not a great start to his practice week. Landon was inactive for the win at the Las Vegas Raiders last Sunday due to the foot injury that he suffered in the win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field 
on Monday Night Football in Week 12. Also, Jamin Davis is in concussion protocol. Uh, We did not learn that until Wednesday. He did not practice on Wednesday. Jamin Davis in the win at the Raiders played on 90% of Washington's defensive snaps. He was guilty of too many missed tackles. Uh, Perhaps we now know why. Uh, Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday on Jamin Davis now being in concussion protocol. Yeah, he, unfortunately, he reported symptoms to us after the game. I shouldn't say unfortunate. He reported symptoms to us, and because of that, we had to put him in the protocol. You know, we'll follow the rules as we go through it. Also not practicing for Washington on Wednesday were J.D. McKissick and Wes Schweitzer. McKissick was inactive for the win at the Raiders due to the concussion that he suffered in the win over the Seahawks. Schweitzer was inactive for the win at the Raiders due to an ankle injury that he had dealt with in each of the previous two games. Now, Tyler Larson was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday, so perhaps Larson could be back playing this Sunday. Larson, for the win at the Raiders, was active, but he was only available for an emergency situation, and uh, thus he did not play for a second consecutive game due to a knee injury that he suffered in the win at the Carolina Panthers in Week 11. But I tell you what, even if Tyler Larson can't play for a third consecutive game, Keith Ismail has been doing a nice job at center, right? I mean, Keith Ismail, the fourth-string center for the Washington football team, and yet I thought he did a nice job in that win at the Raiders on Sunday. Remember, Chase Roulier, the first-string center, is on the reserve injured list due to the fractured left fibula and also due to potential ligament damage to his left ankle uh, that were suffered in the loss at the Denver Broncos in week eight. And then there's this, Washington on Wednesday signed running back Jonathan Williams off the New York Giants practice squad. Ron Rivera on Wednesday on why Washington signed a running back in Jonathan Williams. We have Wendell on the list. I always say he's a practice. Wendell, Wendell's um, a little sore, so we had, to, we had to be careful with it. And so we're, we're just, we got to cover ourselves. And, and Johnson's a guy that, that was here. He was a guy that is well-liked, smart guy, understands the game. So having him around, you know, would be, is, is good. All right. So right there we learned that Wendell Smallwood is banged up too. Now, uh, Wendell Smallwood isn't even listed on Washington's injury report for Wednesday. And uh, that tells you something about the veracity of these injury reports. And look, it's not that Wendell Smallwood is some super key to a Washington victory over the Cowboys on Sunday, but just the idea of, man, Washington, everywhere you look, has some sort of injury situation right now. Uh, Washington last Saturday elevated Wendell Smallwood from the practice squad to the active roster because J.D. McKissick is dealing with this concussion. Smallwood in the win at the Raiders, one carry for 13 yards, two receptions for 12 yards on two targets and playing on five of Washington's offensive snaps. His 13-yard run was a third and 23, 13-yard shotgun handoff run on a drive that resulted in a late second quarter punt. Uh, So Jonathan Williams now is the Wendell Smallwood insurance for Washington. Uh, Jonathan Williams now is in the midst of his third stint with Washington. He was taken by the Buffalo Bills in the fifth round of the 2016 NFL Draft out of Arkansas. Washington on November 2nd actually signed Wendell Smallwood to the practice squad and released Jonathan Williams from the practice squad. Uh, Wendell Smallwood, you may remember, was with Washington for the 2019 season. Also limited for Washington at practice on Wednesday. Jonathan Allen due to his groin, Curtis Samuel due to his groin, Brandon Sheriff due to a knee, and Jordan Kanashik due to a hamstring. But did you notice who was not even listed right there? 
Antonio Gibson. Yeah, not even listed on Washington's injury report was Antonio Gibson. Perhaps his problematic shin isn't so problematic anymore. Uh, Gibson has been a workhorse during Washington's four-game winning streak. He, during the four-game winning streak, has totaled 95 carries. Ron Rivera on Wednesday on whether Antonio Gibson's recent workload uh, might be too much given his shin situation. Oh, no, I, I don't think this is too much. I, I think what's happened is you, you've watched him and he's geared himself up and um, for each week, and, and he's really kind of grasped that role. He, he's done a great job accepting the challenge. Um, you know, we, we try to be very smart with him, uh, especially these next couple of days as we start ramping up for Sunday. Um, and he's the kind of guy that I, I think he gets stronger as he gets more opportunities. Yeah, and Antonio Gibson through week 13 is number one in the NFC in rushing yards at 800. No NFC player this season has more rushing yards than Antonio Gibson has. Uh, Oh, by the way, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard did not practice on Wednesday due to a foot injury, but that other Cowboys running back, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, he practiced on Wednesday. He was a full participant in practice, though he is on the Cowboys injury report. Uh, Zeke is dealing with a knee. Also, Cowboys edge rusher Randy Gregory on Wednesday returned to practicing. He has been on the reserve injured list due to a calf injury, could be activated for Sunday's game. So that's something to monitor. Uh, And we do have the Cowboys coming out of a COVID-19 situation. Their head coach, Mike McCarthy, on Wednesday told reporters that the Cowboys are nearly at 100% now for practices and meetings. The Cowboys for their last game, the 27-17 win at the New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football in Week 13, were without six coaches, including McCarthy, uh, along with two offensive line coaches, two strength coaches, and another offensive assistant. So Sunday afternoon's game for the 6-6 six and six Washington football team against the 8-4 and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field at 1 is about many things. Among them is this game being game one of, as Ron Rivera has called it, the round robin. Uh, Washington has played 12 games in the 2021 regular season. 11 of the 12 games have been non-NFC East games. This game on Sunday against the Cowboys marks the start of Washington's regular season-ending stretch of five consecutive NFC East games. I said months ago on this podcast that all that Washington had to do with this season regarding winning a second straight NFC East title was stay afloat over the first 12 games and then really do well during that regular season-ending stretch of five consecutive NFC East games. Well, it wasn't easy. But Washington did stay afloat over its first 12 games. Six and six is staying afloat. And now the round robin begins, and it begins with a massive game. A win will move Washington to just a game behind the Cowboys for first in the division. Rod Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday on Washington, having arrived at this regular season-ending stretch of five consecutive NFC East games, while very much being in playoff contention. This is what we were. This is what we wanted to do. You know, without saying it, you know, we wanted to win, put ourselves at at, at this, um, because at this point now we control our own destiny. I mean, how we go out and play, the things that we do, gives us a chance, and that's again, like I've told you guys, that's all we want is that chance. 
All we need is a chance. Uh, This was Taylor Heineke at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday on Washington concluding its regular season with five straight NFC East games. You can kind of make the analogy, um, you know, these division games are almost like the the rivalry games where, you know, you have Auburn-Alabama where... You know, on paper, Alabama should beat them by, you know, 20, 30 points. But you just know with these, you know, division slash rivalry games that anything can happen. And we got that five weeks in a row. So, um, you know, the guys are are ready for it. They're locked in and uh, we're excited for it. And so are we. Sunday's game against the Cowboys also is an opportunity for Taylor Heineke to best another franchise quarterback. Think about the quarterbacks who Washington has defeated During its four-game winning streak, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. Now, Cam is a shell of what he once was, and Russell isn't having his best season, but Brady has been great this season, and Carr has been maybe the best deep-passing quarterback in the NFL this season. The Cowboys' starting quarterback, of course, is Dak Prescott. Uh, So here we have another franchise mega-money quarterback for Taylor Heineke and Washington to knock off. Through week 13, Taylor Heineke is 17th among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR at 50.1. Dak Prescott is 18th at 49.7. Taylor Heineke is in the midst of a two-year, $4.75 million contract. Dak Prescott is in the midst of a four-year, $160 million contract. Taylor Heineke on Wednesday on if he thinks about himself having bested these far more established quarterbacks during Washington's four-game winning streak. Yeah, I don't really think about that stuff. You know, again, um, I know I keep saying this, but, you know, last year at this time, I wasn't planning it and think I was ever going to play again. So um, when I come here every day, I just, I'm thankful for the opportunity and I just want to try and prolong this career as long as I can and that's just one game at a time so you know I feel like if you just keep winning games everything else will take care of itself and uh, I kind of go from there. Yeah and of course that approach from Taylor Heineke is all about where he was not long ago. It's appropriate that Heineke did a post-practice press conference on Wednesday because Wednesday was the one-year anniversary of Washington first signing Taylor Heineke. The Washington football team on December 8th, 2020, signed Taylor Heineke to its practice squad. The idea, as you may remember, was for Heineke to be Washington's quarantine quarterback. Uh, In other words, the emergency quarterback, should a COVID-19 situation have emerged among Washington's quarterbacks, who at the time were Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins on the active roster, and Steven Montez on the practice squad, Kyle Allen was on the reserve injured list. This was Taylor Heineke on Wednesday on his memories of first signing with Washington last December. Well, uh, yeah, they brought me up to be emergency practice squad quarterback. So I thought I was just going to be here on practice squad for the rest of the year and kind of that's what that was going to be it. So again, a lot of things had to happen last year for me to play and here I am. So uh, it's been a wild ride and just trying to keep it going. A wild ride indeed. What was it like being Washington's quarantine quarterback at this time last year? Yeah, so we were all doing Zoom meetings except for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks were the only ones I could meet in person. And we were in the team meeting room, which is a big room, and all the quarterbacks were in the front row. 
and they're talking and I'm in the very back so I can barely hear what they're saying they're throwing me water bottles and sandwiches and you know um, but yeah I mean again I was sitting on my couch taking classes and the last thing I was going to do was you know stand too close to someone uh, here at the facility so you know I, I kept my distance I was doing my, my job pretty well So Washington, last December 19th, signed Heineke from the practice squad to the active roster. Heineke was Washington's QB3 for the 2015 loss to the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field in Week 15 of last season. But Heineke was Washington's QB2 for the 2013 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field in Week 16 of last season. And so it was Heineke who relieved Dwayne Haskins in his debacle of a final game for Washington. Dwayne's final game for Washington was that loss to the Panthers at FedEx Field in week 16 of last season. Remember, that was the game that followed Strippergate for old Wayne Wayne. Uh, Heineke relieved Dwayne in that game in which Dwayne was a complete mess. And Heineke played pretty well, all things considered. 12-19 for 137 yards, a touchdown and no interceptions. Three scrambles for 22 yards. He did take two sacks, but his passing numbers would have been even better if not for a brutal drop by Cam Sims, and also if not for a very questionable touchdown-negating holding penalty on Wes Schweitzer. And then, of course, came the Tampa Bay game. Alex Smith was dealing with his, ahem, right calf injury that wasn't really a right calf injury. And so Heineke ended up being Washington's starting quarterback for what ended up being the 31-23 loss to the Eventual Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on 2021 Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, Taylor Heineke in that game made just his second career NFL start, made his first NFL start since December 23rd, 2018. And Heineke, all things considered, was outstanding. 26 of 44 for 306 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Six carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. He took just two sacks. He led a Washington offense that went seven of 14 on third downs. Heineke earned an overall grade for the game for pro football focus of 92.0, the highest single game grade for a Washington quarterback in nearly 14 years. And Heineke did what he did despite facing a Todd Bowles coordinated Bucks defense that finished the 2020 regular season number five in the NFL and pass defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Heineke did what he did despite suffering an AC joint separation in his left shoulder on his spectacular third quarter, third and five, eight yard shotgun scramble touchdown run. Heineke did what he did despite Washington pass catchers being guilty of five drops by my count and despite Washington's running game struggling big time. Taylor Heineke on Wednesday on how much his performance in that playoff game against the Bucks meant for his career. Um, I knew after the game, kind of driving home, I was like, that, that you know, essentially that was kind of a job interview. Um, and I, I felt like I killed it. Unfortunately, we didn't win, but um, I felt like that was definitely going to give me another opportunity in this league. Now, I don't go back and think about long-term stuff like that. Again, I was just happy to be back in it. And um, I, I try and keep that kind of mindset where again you don't know what's going to happen just take it week by week really enjoy it and everything else will take care of itself and I think when you do that um, good things will happen. Yeah there's no overstating how much Heineke's performance in that playoff game against the Bucks changed everything for Heineke. There were so many people I remember this who gave Heineke no chance of doing well 
in that game. And he made them all look foolish. Heck, you have had people since that game try to diminish what Heineke did in that game, and he has continued to make people look foolish. We call these people the daters on this podcast. Uh, Heineke was set to be a restricted free agent this past offseason, but Washington in February re-signed Heineke to a two-year contract. Heineke on Wednesday on how soon after the playoff game against the Bucs that things got going regarding that two-year contract. Oh, I texted my agent immediately after the game. I was like, hey, um, is this going to help me? Like, what's going on? Uh, do I need to, you know, sign up for spring class? Like, what's going on here? And he's like, you're good. Um, you know, you, you, you've proven yourself and, you know, just keep working hard. And uh, again, you know, here we are. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun ride. Just hopefully keep this thing going. Yes, hopefully. And speaking of keeping it going, so a lot has been going well for Heineke and Washington offensively. During this four-game winning streak, uh, Heineke, during Washington's four-game winning streak, has seven touchdown passes versus two interceptions. Heineke, during Washington's four-game winning streak, has completed 92 of his 119 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of 77.31. Washington, during its four-game winning streak, is 29 of 58, 50% on third downs. But Washington's offense still can be better. Uh, Washington has totaled just 17 points in each of its last two games, uh, which have had the same final score, right, of 17-15. Washington's 17-15 win at the Las Vegas Raiders this past Sunday featured Washington's offense really not doing much after the game's opening drive until deep into the third quarter. Washington's first offensive drive, the opening drive of the game, was a nine-play, 75-yard drive, resulted in Taylor Heineke's first quarter, first and goal, 70-yard under center play action touchdown pass to Logan Thomas. Taylor Heineke on the drive went 5-5 five of five for 48 yards and a touchdown. But the offense then didn't do much until Washington's seventh offensive drive, which was a nine-play, 75-yard drive that resulted in Taylor Heineke's early fourth quarter, third and goal, four-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Antonio Gibson. Taylor Heineke on Wednesday on why Washington's offense stagnated for a good chunk of the win at the Raiders. Um, it's kind of the same stuff that happened in that four-game skid that we had. You know, I felt like we were moving the ball, you know, well, but um, whether it was a holding penalty or, a, you know, um, a sack that I took or, um, you know, something, something that always just kept us going back. And if we can just eliminate those plays, um, you know, we're a really good offense. So, um, again, the first drive was awesome. And then the fourth quarter, we did great. It's just that we got to put it all together for four quarters. Yeah, and putting it all together would include more explosive plays. Uh, Washington, during the four-game winning streak, as you know, has been running the ball a lot. Uh, Ron Rivera has been preaching that it's important for Scott Turner, Taylor Heineke, and the Washington offense to fall in love with three and four-yard runs. Uh, Okay, fine. Point will take in the idea being that three and four-yard runs will set up third and shorts. But, you know, can we maybe be a little more dynamic than just, you know, three and four-yard runs? Uh, Washington, in the win at the Raiders, had just two explosive passing plays. An explosive passing play is a passing play for 20 or more yards. Washington had just two explosive passing plays in that win at the Raiders. Washington through week 13 per sharp football stats is just 19th in the NFL in explosive passing play rate this season, 7.82%. Taylor Heineke on Wednesday on what Washington can do to generate more explosive passing plays. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, the run game helps everybody, not just offensively, but defensively as well. But um, when you can run the ball well, that just helps the play action that much more. Um, that helps the quick game. It helps the D-line not be able to pin their ears back and, you know, go after me. So when, when you can run the ball, it helps everybody um, in, in everything that you're trying to do. So, yeah, we, again, we would like to take some shots downfield. Uh, we, we, we thought the same thing about Seattle, but... You know, it, it depends on what they what the defense does. If they like to keep bailing out of there and make us check it down, that's what we're going to do. So, um, you know, again, you know, every team likes to get those chunk shots, but you, you have to be smart about them. You do. And bottom line, Washington is winning. Nothing matters more than that. Well, the good news is that the Wizards' season-worst three-game losing streak is over. The bad news is that the Wizards remain in a not-so-great place. Uh, the Wizards improved to 15-11 and with a 119-116 overtime win at the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday night. Kyle Kuzma nailing a tie-breaking contested left corner three with six-tenths of a second left in overtime for a 119-116 Wizards lead. This was an exciting game, but this was a game in which the Wizards choked away a substantial fourth quarter lead and against a bad Pistons team. Understand the Pistons entered this game 4-19 and on the season, and yet the Wizards were down by 14 points in the second quarter. Now, the Wizards did overcome that 14-point second quarter deficit, but the Wizards then blew a 13-point fourth quarter lead. The Wizards allowed the Pistons to end regulation on a 16-3 run. So pardon me for not doing cartwheels over this Wizards victory at the Pistons on Wednesday night. If you're a Wizards fan like me, there's no way that you love where the Wizards are at right now. Again, good to get the win on Wednesday night, and that was a needed win for the Wizards, but that was a highly flawed win. Uh, the Wizards allowed the Pistons to go 13-24 on threes. The Wizards went 12-32 of 32 on threes. The Wizards did do two things well in particular. Wizards had 13 offensive rebounds to the Pistons' seven, and thus 18 second-chance points to the Pistons' six, and the Wizards outscored the Pistons in the paint. 52-38. I mentioned Kyle Kuzma's game-winning three. Uh, Kuzma nailing a tie-breaking contested left corner three with six-tenths of a second left in overtime for a 119-116 Wizards lead. Kuzma finished 4-10 on threes, 4-8 of eight on twos, 26 points, seven rebounds, including four offensive boards and four assists versus three turnovers and 39-21 as a starter. Bradley Beal had a big bucket. He connected on a tie-breaking 17-foot step-back contested jumper for a 116-114 Wizards lead with 39.6 seconds left in overtime. Beal went 0-2 on threes, but 10 of 17 on twos. Did also go 5 of 8 on free throws, but he finished with 25.6 rebounds and 3 assists versus 4 turnovers in 42 minutes, 43 seconds as a starter. But perhaps no Wizard was more impressive than Daniel Gafford. So Gafford suffered a sprained right ankle, but he ended up playing for 27 minutes, 3 seconds as a starter. He had 7 points on 2 of 4 shooting, 10 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards, and 6 blocks. The dude suffered a sprained right ankle, but came back into the game and finished with 10 rebounds and 6 blocks. He was Willis Reed on Wednesday night. Uh, head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Daniel Gafford's performance. Oh, he was tremendous. You know, he... he... 
I didn't think he was going to be able to come back, honestly. Um, they worked on it at halftime, and he said he was going to give it a try. Um, and to his credit, he was able to gut it out. Uh, we needed him on the floor, and um, he had some great possessions, switching, you know, keeping the guy in front, making plays at the rim. Uh, so I give him a lot of credit for that. And Gafford deserves a lot of credit. The last thing that the Wizards needed it was Daniel Gafford being out with injury. We'll see how he ends up doing with this sprained right ankle. But, of course, the Wizards do remain without two key bigs. Uh, Rui Hachimura has yet to play this season due to personal reasons. Thomas Bryant has yet to play this season as he recovers from a partially torn left ACL that was suffered last January. Another hero for the Wizards on Wednesday night was Denny Avdia. Uh, Avdia in 20 minutes, 42 seconds off the bench, two of four on threes, two of five on twos. He finished with 10 points, six rebounds, and a game best plus minus rating of plus 14. Spencer Dinwiddie went two of five on threes, did go just one of four on twos, but he in 35-04 as a starter had 12 points, seven assists versus two turnovers, six rebounds, and two steals. And then there's Montrez Harrell, who really has cooled off. It's interesting. Wizards got off to the great 10-3 and start. Montrez Harrell was so good. But as the Wizards have stumbled since the 10-3 and start, uh, Montrez Harrell has cooled off. You know, it's almost been as, as Montrez Harrell goes, the Wizards go. Uh, he was such a force for the Wizards in October and November. But Harrell on Wednesday night in 17-36 off the bench, just four points on two of five shooting and just two rebounds. Uh, Montrez Harrell scored at least 10 points in each of the Wizards' first 20 games this season. This game on Wednesday night marked him not scoring in double figures for a fourth time in six games. That with Montrez Harrell, that had not happened at all, has been happening on the regular in recent weeks. Uh, but the Wizards did win at the Pistons on Wednesday night. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Utah Jazz, Saturday night at 7. In what is the Wizards' lone home game in a 10-game stretch? Uh, we are in a very strange part of the Wizards' schedule. The Wizards are in the midst of an absurd stretch of nine road games in 10 games. Uh, the win at the Pistons completed a three-game road trip. Then comes this home game with the Jazz. And then comes a six-game road trip, including four games out west. Let's talk some college basketball. We on Wednesday night had history made for Georgetown. Uh, the Hoyas improved to 4-4 four four with a 171 win over UMBC at Capital One Arena as Caden Rice went nuclear. Caden uh, Rice is a graduate transfer from the Citadel. I've been talking about him. Uh, he's not always on, but when he is on, he can be tremendous. And he was tremendous on Wednesday night, Caden Rice set a single-game Georgetown record with 10 made threes. Yeah, 10 made threes for Caden Rice on Wednesday night. The previous Georgetown single-game record for made threes was seven made threes by Mark Tillman in February 1990. Caden Rice on Wednesday night went 10 of 12 on threes. He finished with 34 points. Three rebounds and three assists versus two turnovers in 31 minutes as a starter. What epitomizes Caden Rice to me is that he, in the Hoyas' previous game, the 80-67 loss at South Carolina on Sunday afternoon, went 0-8 of 8 on threes. Uh, also went 0-2 of 2 on twos, finished with no points and no assists versus four turnovers in 21 minutes as a starter. He was really bad in that loss at South Carolina, but he was great. On Wednesday night, this game marked the fourth game for Caden Rice in eight games for Georgetown 
this season in which he made at least five threes, but he also has gone 0 of 7 on threes in a game and 0 of 8 on threes in a game. Uh, He's not always on, but when he's on, he's on. And he was on on Wednesday night. Uh, Hoyas put up 100 points in the game. 171 was the final in this victory over UMBC. First time that the Hoyas scored at least 100 points in a game since December 29th, 2018. Great to see Georgetown's top two freshmen do as they did on Wednesday night. The 6'5", five-star freshman, Aminu Muhammad, one of two on threes, four of eight on twos, finished with 13 points, 10 rebounds, including three offensive boards and three assists versus three turnovers in just 24 minutes as a starter. And 7'2", freshman, Ryan Matumbo. Yes, the son of the legendary Georgetown player Dikembe Matumbo in just 18 minutes off the bench, 15 points on 7 of 15 shooting, 11 rebounds, including five offensive boards, and four blocks. Uh, also, point guard Dante Harris, one of two on threes, four of eight on twos. He finished with 13 points, seven assists versus one turnover, and six rebounds in just 23 minutes as a starter. The Hoyas crushed UMBC on the boards. Georgetown out-rebounded UMBC 61-30. The Hoyas had 21 offensive rebounds to UMBC's nine, and thus 26 second chance points to UMBC's five. Hoyas shot 50% from the field. Hoyas held UMBC to just 14-39 on twos. It was a feel-good night for Georgetown at Capital One Arena. And next up for Georgetown is Syracuse. Yes, the rivalry is renewed. Georgetown-Syracuse. Georgetown versus Syracuse at Capital One Arena this Saturday at noon. Also on Wednesday night, Virginia Tech improved to 7-3 overall. A 93-60 win over Cornell at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg. Uh, This was a no-doubt route for the Hokies. Hokies went 12-23 on threes, 22-40 on twos. Hokies held Cornell to 8-26 on threes. Hokies out-rebounded Cornell 40-23. Nobody really went off for Tech, but seven Tech players each scored at least 10 points in the game. First time we've had that seven Tech players each scoring at least 10 points in a game since December 2016. Uh, Hokies will be at Dayton Sunday afternoon at 2. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 205, will be a football Friday extravaganza, the likes of which we have maybe not yet had on this podcast. The show will be the culmination of Dallas Week. In-depth preview of the 6-6 six and six Washington football team versus the 8-4 and, and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. I will have for you the latest on injuries for the game. I will have for you the best of what Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio have to say at their post-practice press conferences on Thursday. I will have for you all that you need know about the Cowboys. As joining me on the show will be the legendary radio voice of the Cowboys, Brad Sham. And I will have for you my rhyming keys as I will rhyme the path to victory for Washington. Uh, also on the show, I'll give you a Goldilock for Navy versus Army this Saturday afternoon at 3. Uh, the game this year taking place at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.